So, yo, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah K podcast. Welcome back, welcome back. So, as I told you guys, as promised, um, you, I, I'm, I'm, we're gonna be, dro- I'm gonna be dropping a lot of playoff content here. Um, I'm, I'm realizing the more and more I have guests, I'm gonna let my guests do a lot of the talking because you guys under, because I have. If there be another episode out before this episode comes out, um, and you would have heard my predictions already, so you guys, uh, you guys already, my listeners kind of already know, um, where I'm coming from and what I think in terms of predictions and outcomes. So any of my other guests that come on, they they gonna I'm gonna let them rock. I'm gonna let them I'm gonna let them cook and do a little bit. Um, but like I have another, like I said, I have another guest. Uh, it's NBA playoff time, so. Trying to ramp up the guest list, um, and this is someone that I, I've been on his his podcast before, um, so familiar familiar for me. But he hasn't came on my podcast yet, and you know we've been trying to put up times and dates. But I figured this was the right time, so I got Ira, uh, aka Swan Don, um, from Rooted in Sports, co-host with uh, Kenny. Everybody, you know, most of my my listeners they know Kenny. Uh, but this is the co- this is the other co-host of Rooted in Sports, Ira. Um, like I said, I, I my I, I always tell my um, you, I always tell my listeners that I do the you know I sometimes go on Rooted in Sports and that's just that. But welcome, welcome on, Ira. Man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. You, you already know how I feel about you, brother. You know I, I, I admire you and what you're doing in this platform, and so. Appreciate you having me, man. And uh, I'm excited to get into some, some some NBA talk. For sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, like I said, I, I always, you know, I usually pop up on their on their podcasts and so forth on their platforms, their, their Twitter spaces and so forth. You can catch me in there um, from time to time. They do a good job with the content, with just at like just a variety um, and versatility of content. So definitely, as I always tell my um, my listeners. I always leave you guys' social media links and handles down below in the description. So if you guys are interested in in that, um, you can you know whatever platform you're you're using, you can just slide right up. You can look at their the links that I put below, and that's how you'll find them and um follow them. So, um, let's get into it, Ira. Let's get into it. Um, yes, let's get into it. So let's start with the playing game that happened um between the lakers and the timberwolves and it was a battle between seven and eight um the lakers came out a uh, ugly win but they yeah, came out ugly they indeed. ugly indeed i mean uh, i would say at times atrocious um from both teams but they the lakers come out victorious give me your take um i i, I can say it all day long i I hear a lot of people rave about this Laker team being a NBA, a potential NBA finals contender or a team that could make a finals run. The team that I saw last night will, will probably probably shouldn't make it out the first round if they if that play continues. They look really, really bad and out of sort last night um, defensively and so forth, um, not being able to take care of the basketball and so forth. But Give me your take on the Lakers, um, their win, their ugly, gritty win versus the Timberwolves, um, and then we'll get into their matchup versus Memphis. Well, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, 
it was an ugly win yesterday. And the Laker team that you saw yesterday uh, playing the Minnesota Timberwolves is not a team that could possibly, you know, go go on and come out of the West and represent them in the finals. Um, however, I think the reason they won this game, though, I think it's more so because of Minnesota's inexperience. Yeah. And we've, we've seen their inexperience and their kind of questionable play, questionable decision-making for the last few years now. They're a team that we thought were, you know, kind of up and coming in the West, but it hasn't, it just hasn't quite took place yet. You know, kind of in the same manner, and maybe we'll get to them a little later, kind of in the same manner that, a, a, say, this year, a Sacramento Kings team has. Right. This Minnesota team just hasn't been able to take that next step. So, I mean, uh, yeah, we've seen some, some ugly play down the stretch, especially in that fourth quarter and in overtime, I mean, it was just downright bad basketball on both ends. It was almost like both teams were just like, you know, hey, hey no, you, you guys win the game. No, 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 you guys win the game. Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, hold my beer, you know. But ultimately, you know, Lakers did come out on top. Um, LeBron, although he had a couple quest, really terrible turnovers in yes. the stretch um, in that fourth quarter and in overtime, he did make a big play with the kick out to um, Dennis Schroeder um, making a three to what we thought would have uh, ended the game before Anthony Davis said, hold my beer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they came out. They got some defensive stops in overtime. And I think that's that's just what you've seen. You've seen a more experienced team defeat a team that just isn't ready to take that next step and go to the next level. Yeah, and some of this kind of dates back to what you saw from Minnesota and their playoff series versus Memphis last year where they lost um that series. Uh, I think it was in what six or seven games. It was a it was you a could, you could argue they should have won. Argue they should have won that series. That, that was one game where they blew, I want to say a 19 or 20 point lead. Like you you can argue they should have won that series. Absolutely. And it, you know, I think I saw it Last I saw the stat last night after the game. That was that was now 19 games that the Minnesota Timberwolves lost when they were leading by 10 plus points. So it's a matter of not being able to close out games and so forth. Um, you know, I think some you kind of mentioned it. You can you can boil it down to inexperience, but you now you you know Anthony Edwards had I I, I mean I'm 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 really high on him. He had a I was gonna say that was the worst I've seen him look all year long. Um in his career, honestly. I, I've never seen him I, like I've never seen that type of ineffectiveness from him. Um just just trying to figure out who's the best player in the squad. I think it's Anthony Edwards, but he didn't look like it last night. Um the first three quarters, I thought Carl Anthony Towns was the best player on the floor, but then in the fourth quarter and overtime, he disappeared. He disappeared. And, and, then, and then there were there, there were a couple moments down the stretch, especially in, in that fourth quarter and in overtime, where they were running that pick and roll up top, and Carl Anthony Towns would get the matchup, say, on a Dennis Schroeder or Austin, Austin Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. But he kind of allowed Austin Reeves to just, you know, make him catch the ball a lot further out, almost at the three-point line. And then there were a couple instances. There were a couple instances where they didn't, necessarily get him the ball on that switch but then 
in the instance or two where they did get him the ball, you know, he bailed him out and settled for, you know, a long jump or a fadeaway jump or whatnot. And like I said, down the stretch, Minnesota just could not execute at all. And ultimately, it, it killed them. This yeah, the game they were winning, you know, midway through the fourth. Yeah, th- this game, they, they like, I, I definitely am, I'm a proponent of like, I think Minnesota lost this game more so than yeah, the Lakers winning it. Um, I, both teams, I think, had 20 plus turnovers. Um, the Lakers were horrendous, um, at least in the first three quarters at defending the three point shot. Um, so it, I seen a stat, mm-hmm. I seen a stat that said that, um, from the fourth quarter in, um, in the fourth quarter in overtime, Minnesota had um, six made field goals to 11 turnovers from the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter and through overtime. That's crazy. And they, terrible, they, they, terrible execution. And they got this. They got cold. Um, and you know the Lakers. They did clamp up defensively, but I thought there were still moments and times and possessions where Anthony Edwards could have been more aggressive and looking to attack the basket. Um, with some of those guys, some of the Laker guys being in foul trouble, I thought Carnfield Towns could have been a little bit more aggressive at times. Um, in the fourth quarter and overtime and so forth, but. Um, I, I, now that we got that out the way in terms of the Lakers uh, squeaking by Minnesota, um, how do you feel about the two seven matchup versus Memphis? Because I'll say this, I, I, I think in certain facets, the matchup, this is a matchup that you want at the Lakers, but now like on the grand scheme of things, I don't know if you really want this matchup, if you're the Lakers or if this was the best case scenario in terms of matchup possibilities if you were the lakers i look at minnesota i look at minnesota i look at memphis depth and size um even with a couple guys down there's they have a variety of different skill sets in their starting five and coming off the bench that i think can and possibly probably going to present some problems to the lakers um, I think it's going to be a really, really entertaining two-seven matchup. Um, but give me your t- give me your take on you know the Lakers and how they match up versus Memphis and you know so forth. Um, I agree. I do think that this will be a very interesting matchup. This is going to be a tough series. I, I don't think there'll be this is no less than a six or seven game series. I agree. Um, I think that. And, and I, I guess I kind of I'm kind of push back a little bit to what you were saying. Yeah. Um. I think that this is a prime opponent and a prime opportunity for the the Lakers, and here's why. Okay. Um. Obviously, as we know, Brandon Clark, um, he's going to be out for the season. He tore his Achilles. And as far as to my yeah, and then as far as to my knowledge, um, Stephen Adams will probably miss this at least this series. So agreed. Yeah. Said that, said that to say that there's absolutely no reason why Anthony Davis shouldn't average, you know, thirty and, and fifteen or, or whatever for this series. Like I feel like he should absolutely have his way. And um I think that if he's able to do that, that's when I think the Lakers are at their best when Anthony Davis is aggressive. When Anthony Davis plays like he's the best player on the floor, when he plays like that top five, top seven talent that he is in the NBA, that's when I think the Lakers are at their best and they're, and they're most dangerous. And I think that this is a prime opportunity 
and a prime team for him to to do so. So um, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll go ahead and, and kind of give my prediction for this. Like I said, I do think this is a six, maybe even seven game series. But ultimately, um, I, I do think the Lakers come out on top. I do think Anthony Davis, you know, he has a game or two where he where he just absolutely takes over. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him, you know, put up a 40-point game or something in this series. Just just a, a crazy stat line in this series. Um, LeBron will be LeBron. One thing to look out for, though, um, LeBron last night, I think he played about 45 minutes. Yeah. And, um, I mean, this this is still year 20. Yes. And, you know, I, I know he seems like Superman, but even watching last night, the man, you know, he, he's, he's getting up there, you know, and he gets a little winded. And moving forward, I don't think that that's something that they would prefer to do as far as the Lakers and LeBron. So that's just something to look out for there. Um, obviously, this Memphis team, John Morant is John Morant. Dylan Brooks is going to be an irritant. You know, he's going to try to get under somebody's skin, make it make things tough for the Lakers. I mean, Desmond Bain, he's going to come out shooting the ball. Jaron Jackson Jr., who has just as um, much an opportunity as anyone to be possibly the defensive player of the year this season, um, he's, he's going to be able to stretch the floor as well. So they'll, they'll definitely be competitive, like I said, six or seven game series. But ultimately, the Lakers have two best players. Um in this series. And I think that AD will be able to kind of impose his will. And I think the Lakers win. I'm going to say the Lakers in six. I'm going to say they, they close it out in uh, in LA in six. Um. Okay. I, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't disagree. I have, the, I, I'm choosing the Lakers too. I got them in seven games. That was my prediction. Um, Lakers in seven games. Um, I think my 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 thing is I look at Memphis. I think look similar to what they did versus Golden State. They have one of those games where they're just hot, and like I think they're gonna, they're gonna have a game, maybe a game and a half or so, maybe a couple, maybe a couple quarters where they're just hot and offensively. LA just can't do nothing with him. I think at at, at points they'll probably try to pull away. Like you, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was like a game. I think it was like game four or game five. It was game five at Memphis, and I mean Memphis just completely blew the doors off the Warriors um, last year. And I think, oh, yeah, I think we might see a game like that with the Lakers. Where I think that was a game John Morant missed actually. Yeah, that was a game John Morant. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah, they got they just got they just got crazy hot from three. They got in transition. I will say this: I think the Laker team, and this this is just in the grand scheme of, of their playoff run. If they if they're truly going to make a finals run, we can and we both agree that team we saw uh, that team we saw versus Minnesota. That's not going to be the team that makes it to the finals. Absolutely. I, I, but I do think it's a tall task to ask the Lakers to four out of seven games for the next two months to perform at their highest ceiling because at their highest, at their peak, could they be a potential finals team? Perhaps like, you know, given with the acquisitions that they have made in in the the trade deadline, could they, maybe they could. I'm wouldn't that like, I'm not a betting man. I wouldn't bet on that happening. Um, four out of seven times for the next three rounds, but it could happen. 
Um, but the turnovers, I, I, I think over the past like few games of their season, they played some bad teams and they picked up some bad habits. And I, those bad habits certainly can't translate to um, the series versus Memphis, such as the turnovers, like 20 plus turnovers. Memphis is one of the better fast up-tempo young teams in the league and fast break points. So that can't be a reoccurring thing, what we saw from them versus Minnesota. But I got the Lakers in seven. Um, I think Memphis would definitely push them to the brink, but I got the Lakers winning it in seven games. Um, so we can move on to uh, the 3-6 matchup, the Kings versus the Warriors. And I think this is a really compelling matchup. And we, I, I kind of talked about this is going to be a reoccurring thing with me. Like, I think a lot of these series is just based upon, like, a lot of his matchups and, you know, best case scenario, worst case scenario. I think of, out of all of the matchups that the Warriors could have possibly gotten, I think this Kings matchup is the best matchup that they got. Like, I think this is the best case scenario. If they would have had to play like a Memphis in the first round with uh, Andrew Wiggins, who don't really have his legs and got to play himself back into shape, I think that could have been a disaster for Golden State. But the mere fact that they have the Kings who, granted, they've had a great offseason, I mean, a great regular season. Um, Mike Brown undoubtedly is probably going to be the coach of the year. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, Sacramento, they had the number, they finished the season with the number one offensive rating in basketball. So they're, they're really exciting to watch. But I just think defensively, I think Golden State will be able to exploit. Um, we'll be able to exploit them. And then defensively, I look at – you look at the Kings' bread and butter. The Kings' bread and butter is De'Aaron Fox and DeMonte Sabonis, the, the dribble handoffs. And it's so, hard, it's so hard to defend these guys in terms of Sabonis and his versatility, in terms of being able to score with both hands, being able to pass. And then De'Aaron Fox is a handful coming at you um, with his change of direction and change of speed. Downhill, he's, he's, he's electric in the open court. He he he's he, he is a handful to handle, but I think this type of series spells GP two. I think this is the type of series where Gary Payton Jr. makes a splash. Make he he definitely puts his fingerprints and have his fingerprints all over the series. Give me your take on Sacramento and the Warriors. How do you have it ending up and so forth? That's a really great X factor there. Um, so, um, I was actually talking about this, uh, yesterday, uh, in recording an episode of, um, our podcast, uh, Rooted in Sports. And, um, I was saying that I think whether you are, you know, NBA fanatics like ourselves, or whether you're just, you know, the, the casual fan that just maybe tunes in, uh, down the stretch or during the playoffs or whatever, I think that this will be the most entertaining series of this year's playoffs. Um, just just to speak on Sacramento a little bit. So this is a team who had like one of the all-time high uh, offensive efficiency ratings, you know, in NBA history. They they led the league in scoring. They were averaging, I, I, I want to say about 100, almost like 127 a game or something. Like these guys fill it up. You mentioned De'Aaron Fox. You mentioned um, Sabonis. Then they they got guys around them, like, you know Kevin Herter and, and and 
Barnes and Malik Monk. So they, they got some shooters that they can kind of spread around. The, the rookie Keegan Murray quietly had, you know, a really solid season. He's, yeah. he's a very nice stretch four that knocks down, that can knock down the open three as well. I mean, this team, really, really some nice young talent. And like you said, the um, probable coach of the year, Mike Brown, has been, you know, he, he's done a phenomenal job with them. Um, he's got them to believe in him and his system, but to believe in themselves that they could actually not just make the playoffs, but here they are in the three seed in the West. And I think no one would have foreseen this um, at the beginning of the season. Uh, with that being said, we also seen Golden State down the stretch. It seemed like they were starting to round into form. It seemed like they were starting to get it together. You mentioned Andrew Wiggins, who is supposed to come back for the playoffs. He's a very integral part to them and what they do, especially on the defensive end. Yes. Um, but like you said, it is going to take him a moment to maybe kind of get his footing and get his conditioning back. And this Sacramento team, this is a team that likes to get up and down. So, you know, it, it could it could definitely be a challenge for him. Um, but that being said, I think that Golden State's um, experience is really what's going to shine through here. I think that you may see some some really high-scoring games. You're going to see some 30, 40, possibly 50-point performances here, some triple-doubles here. I mean, the, the stat sheets for this series, each game, are going to be absolutely crazy. Um, but ultimately, I do think Golden State will come out on top. One thing to, to kind of keep an eye on, though, I, and I don't. I have no explanation for it, but Golden State has been absolutely terrible on the road this yeah. season. Yeah, absolutely I, atrocious. Yeah, I don't know what it is or what what is or isn't happening or what's the hold up with them that they can't seem to perform the same way at home that they uh, the same way on the road that they do at home. Right. But it's been bad this year, so. That is something to keep an eye on, considering the Sacramento Kings are the three seed and they have the home field or the home court advantage in this series. So that's something to keep an eye on. But with that being said, call me crazy. I'm I'm, I'm going to take a, a gentleman's sweep here. I'm going to say Golden State in five. I don't I don't think that's crazy. Um, I think that's probable. I mean, if you want to give the Kings a little bit. I mean, more respect, I guess, six. But I got Golden State in five, too. I don't think that's crazy. Um, I, I was going to ask you, like, you kind of hinted towards it, but the Warriors have had very much a tumultuous uh, regular season where, it, it, you know, Curry gets hurt. Um, they, you know, they, they, they have acquisitions like GP2 going and then coming back. Andrew Wiggins spending time off, but you know, in the brighter side, you got guys that have carved out new roles like Don Dante DiVincenzo. He's kind of made an impact on the defensive end. Clay Thompson has kind of resurged into the Clay Thompson that we all know and love, right? Um, led the league in three pointers made. I, I, how how do you feel? Over three, over three hundred, over three hundred three pointers made. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel? Only he, Steph, and James Harden have done that. Right. Right. So I'm going to ask, how do you think 
in terms, if the Warriors would was to make another deep playoff run, like to the conference finals or to the NBA finals, how would that impact on how teams look at the regular season? Because me personally, I don't think the regular season is something you can like um just sleepwalk through and then the playoffs you come in. Like I think at some point, whether it's in the later end, the latter end of that 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 all-star break trade deadline, you gotta start picking up some steam. So how do you feel about if they were to make a run? How, like, in terms of regular season, does that, like, minimize the res- regular season and the importance of it? Um, so I, I think that's a that, that's a dangerous game to play. Um, one thing that I think teams have to realize around the NBA is that Golden State, they're a little bit of an ano- anomaly. Right. Um, that, that core of Steph and Clay and, and Draymond, and you, I guess you could throw uh, Iguodala in there if you want. But that core group of guys, um, they they are not four time champions for nothing. Like you, 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 they actually have that ability to kind of turn it on. Um, I'll throw I'll throw another team out for example, and they're a team that we just seen last night, um, the Miami Heat. I think now, mind you, Miami was the number one seed in the Eastern Conference just last year. Yeah, and I think coming into this season, you know, granted there were teams that you know even in the preseason we thought were, you know, probably better teams, but we didn't think Miami would be this. The word I'm going to use is inconsistent. Right. You know, I think innately, I think Miami thought that they could just at some point they could just kind of, you know, hit their stride or, or get get into gear and, and maybe kind of make that climb back up, you know, in the Eastern Conference, but it never materialized for them this mm-hmm. year. And mm-hmm. then you look at last night, you know, and what a lot of people have been calling an upset, but I don't want to say that because the Atlanta Hawks are a very talented team. Um and they're they're a couple years removed from an Eastern Conference finals appearance themselves. Right. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think by all accounts, I think that Miami Heat, right, the Miami Heat were the favorite um, in that game. But yet they went out there lack of days ago. To me, they looked really old. Yes. And um, and they they found themselves, you know, they tried to make a run at it late, but I mean, they they found themselves, you know, really getting out hustled and, and outplayed, and they lost. Now they're, you know, now that we playing again on Friday, trying to get into the playoffs. But I just use them as an example to say that um, that's 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 a real narrow plank to walk. You know, if you want to try to maybe cakewalk through the regular season and you think that at any point you can just kind of turn it on, you have to be careful with that. Absolutely. Um, and this is going to take our our 4-5 matchup between Phoenix and the Clippers. Um, I, I got I got the Phoenix Suns winning in five games, and I'll just say this. I think w- – I'm. That's under the assumption that Paul George isn't playing in the series. Yeah, I, that's that's what I've gathered as well that he probably won't be playing. Right. So, and, and it, it boils down for me to, like I don't think the Clippers have enough rim protection or playmaking. Um, with Paul George being sidelined and out, I look at the Clippers and I see a team that at this point. They only have three legitimate guys that can go out there and create their own shot or create for others. Um, and, th- like, you got Norman Powell, you got Russell Westbrook, you got Kawhi Leonard. 
Um, Norman Powell, he's hot and cold. He's very streaky at times. Um, can can light it up, but and, and light it up in bunches. But honestly, he's like he's hot and cold. He's streaky. He's a role guy. Uh, but a good a, a solid player. Then you got Westbrook, um, who can create his own shot and create for others around him, but he's inefficient and very sporadic. And, you know, the decision-making can be hit or miss. And then Kawhi, granted, I think he has gotten better as a playmaker, but Kawhi is a guy that's going to get to his spots, drop his 28 to 30 points, and him him getting others involved is going to come at a real minimum. He's gotten better at it, but – you don't. You usually don't want to ask Kawhi to go out and get you seven, eight assists on a nightly basis. That's just not his game. So I look at the Clippers. I just see. I just don't see enough shot creation and playmaking ability, um, throughout that roster and throughout that rotation that I think Ty Lue was going to throw out there. Um, I look at some of the Clipper older wings that they have. I think a guy like Nicholas Batum, I think Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, I think those I think they're, they're very deep team. They, deep, but I think their names are better than their games at this point. Um so uh, that's just how I see it. You got to worry about Durant assignment. Like I said, the rim protection of the Clippers is isn't really great. Um so I think I'm gonna, I'm going to take the Suns in 5 games. Um I just don't see like I said, I just don't see enough play creating or shot creation um, for the Clippers, at least effectively and being efficient at it with, you know, versus the Suns. So, I I agree. I do think the Phoenix Suns win this series. However, this might come as a shocker. <clears throat> I think this is a seven-game series still. Wow, you think um, so? I do, I do. Um, the reason I say that is because there's one thing we know um, Ty- Tyron Lou about Tyron Lou. They're going to be a very well coached team. They're going to be ready to play, and they're going to come out and fight. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back a couple years ago. Um, if you remember, I think this is twenty. I think this is 2021. 2021 playoffs. The Clippers, if I'm not mistaken. They got to the Western Conference Finals against the Phoenix Suns without Kawhi Leonard. Yes. You know, it was was a Paul George-led team. Said that to say that, you know, this team isn't just going to lay down. They're going to fight. What I think will ultimately be their downfall, and a lot of people kind of, you know, get on me for this. They said it, um, you know, a little little hard on this dude, but... Do not. (laughs) Man, Russell Westbrook, man, the 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 wonder that is him, man. I mean, for 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 every one or two play, you know, Russell Westbrook is the type of player, and I, I, I'll equate it to to kind of pick up ball. He's the type of player where it's all a negative thing if he is making a shot or two, or if he does make a play or two, right? Because because now in his mind. It's like he's got the ultimate green light, and then after that, it's going to come multiple plays of bad decisions, multiple plays of you know not being able to to know when to play with with at at, at a good speed or play with pace, and when to just kind of slow it down. I feel like 
what, what year 13, 14 for him or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like he plays he at the still, same pace. Exactly. He still hasn't quite mastered, you know, playing at, at different paces. You know, it's just really frenetic for him. All, and, it, and, it, and it's been that way all this time, you know. And so you, you were talking a little uh, just a minute ago about Kawhi Leonard and him possibly being a playmaker. Well, I think that it's kind of unfortunate for the Clippers because I think that they're going to rely a little more heavily on Russell Westbrook yeah. kind of doing that for them. Mm-hmm. And that could turn out to be a downfall for him. Now, Tyron Lue, what, what, what we have seen him do in the in the second half of the season since Westbrook has been with the Clippers, we've seen a few games where he's not afraid he to pull him. Going, yeah, if he doesn't have it going, or if there's just another lineup that's just working, he'll he'll sit him down, and that that may be something that he may have to explore in this series. But with that being said, I just think the Clippers. You know, they're well coached. Tyron Lue are gonna, is going to have these guys ready, and they're going to fight. I think you couple that with the fact that, obviously, we, we know what the fans have. You know, you know the affinity that I have for, for Kevin Durant and his game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that core group there, um, you know, uh, Paul, Booker, Durant, they've only played nine games together this season. What's the record so, in those nine games? If I'm not, yeah, they won all nine. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, mistaken. okay. <laughs> I do believe they're nine and no, but be that as it may, uh, they both played nine games together. So um, you, you you look at a team that's still really trying to build a little camaraderie, you know, themselves. So it may be a few bumps and bruises, a few growing pains. I think they're a team that still has. <clears throat> some questions defensively as well. I agree. So, with that being said, I think they'll need a strong series from DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, a strong playoff run from DeAndre Ayton. That too. <laughs> motivated. But yeah, I think this is a seven-game series, but I think Phoenix pulls it out in seven. And, and you know, I, I always say uh, great minds think alike. Because the the person, the guest that I had on earlier, shout out to uh, Najee No Layups, he said the same thing that you said about Russell Westbrook and Tyron Lue. He said that since Westbrook has joined the squad, there has been times where he pointed towards the Laker game where Westbrook in the second half of that Laker game, he started off really hot in the first half, but then the second half he kind of cooled off. There was some turnovers. There was some bumps in the road, and Tyron Lue wasn't afraid to pull him. You said the same exact thing. Where we have seen instances where Ty Lue, it, that hit, hit, you know, his his rope gets a little short, and he he he's not afraid to pull Westbrook once he starts to see it going downhill or a str- there's a string of turnovers. He he he's not afraid to pull Westbrook. So I think that's a great observation. Um, I, and that's something. Yeah, and, go ahead. And, and you know that that's something that you know he he may have to do a time or two in this series. Yeah, and it's crazy that we're speaking like this about a player who, in all honesty, is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's had a great career. You're right. He has. You know, he's he, he, what what three uh, average to triple double three out of four seasons. Yeah. You know when when it it 
had only been done one time previous to that right. in NBA history. I mean, we we got to give him his flowers. You know, he's going to be the first ballot Hall of Famer. But with that being said, I mean, just talk about a fall from grace. Like, to, to go from being viewed at, as, you know, this high, this upper echelon player in this league to in a matter of, you know, a year or two, you're just like another margin. Your your value has just been completely diminished, you know. And I, I don't know, man. But I mean, what, what can you say? <laughs> what can you say? I mean, I, I, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I thought I thought his time with the Lakers, the LA Lakers. I thought he was kind of made out to be a scapegoat for a lot of their issues. Now, was he was. Was he one of their issues, and was it like always? There was always going to be, you know, question marks about whether or not Russell Westbrook fit. And ba- like real genuine basketball minds and basketball love, like we all know and knew that the Westbrook experiment was not going to work with the Lakers and how their squad was set up. Um, so that was just doomed to fail. But I thought he was kind of I thought he was kind of made out to be a scapegoat. But I think all the criticism that I hear you give is similar to the criticism that I have been giving. And I'm sure you have continuously given like the same. It's it's funny because the same issues that we see with Russell Westbrook or that we saw with Russell Westbrook in year two, year three is the same exact issue we have in year 14. So so, when he was with, with OKC. Yeah, he was playing, you know, with, with with Scotty Brooks. I think when he went to Washington the one year, if I'm not mistaken, I think Scotty Brooks was the coach there. Still there, Scotty Brooks is still there. And between Scotty Brooks and then the little time that he spent, you know, under uh, Billy Donovan, they just let him do what he wanted to do. He kind of had free reign. And his usage rate was so high. He had the ball in his hands so much. Even with Kevin Durant on the squad. Even with Kevin Durant on the squad, but even just looking at, you know, those those triple-double years, you know, you look at his stat line and all you see is, you know, the, the, the 30 points, the 12 rebounds, the 14 assists, but you don't see that he was 9 for 23 from the field. Right. You don't. You don't keep scrolling down and see that he had seven turnovers. Yeah, or know? or a twenty, a negative twenty-one plus minus. A, a negative twenty-one plus minus. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Then, you know, we a lot of times, you know, in, in a lot of you know fans' eyes, you know, I know for me myself, you know, I get looked at as a as a Russell Westbrook hater. But I mean, I just I just call a spade a spade. I mean, you know, he, once again, first ballot Hall of Famer. Respect what he's done, but. When are when is someone gonna say that he had you know one of the better basketball IQs? You know, yeah. never be able to say that. Yeah. What what can you say? What in his game has actually really improved from year one or two to now? He just his usage rate just went up, but he's been the same player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. And unlike uh, uh, uh and I would say opposite of Westbrook. You mentioned the Phoenix Suns and their core guys playing nine minutes. I mean, nine games together. I think the and this is what this what makes Kevin Durant so special. Um, his ability, you can just plug and play. 
Like, and that I think that's the I think that's the thing that I think I love most, uh, probably the most about him. And I'm sure you like it as well. But it's the ability, like he is the ultimate chess piece in terms of, or the ultimate puzzle piece, that big puzzle piece that was missing in Phoenix. And you just connect it and you put it together and it's like, well, well, there it goes. And he's always been that where it doesn't matter who's on his team, whether it's high usage rate, Russell Westbrook, whether it's the the, the, the Splash Brothers with Steph and Clay and Drake. Like, it doesn't matter if it's Kai, like he's all you can just plug and play him because his game is so offensively. It, it flows so seamlessly with any type of play style, and he's so efficient where he can only take 12 shots. And you look up, you're like, damn, he got 30. But how many shots he took? He took 12. Well, what the hell? Like, And it's like, well, he he made nine of them and gets – you know, he, he plays at a pretty good rate, and that's just where I'm looking at a guy like um, – that's why I look at Phoenix. I'm like, I don't think – I'm not gonna say I don't. I don't think they're gonna worry, but I think the, I'm more so worried about their fifth starter, who like it, whoever that fifth starter is gonna be. How yeah, effective? Cool. I know. I know they they've tried to recreate. Right. I, think, I believe. Do they? I think they have Terrence Ross now. They have Terrence Ross. Yes. So, I mean, they they tried a, a, a few a few guys there. You may even see them because um, I believe they got. Uh, Warren, the one who, who was tearing it up in the bubble. TJ Warren. TJ Warren, yeah. He he originally started out in Phoenix. He did, he did. I think they have um, him as well. And just to piggyback to what you were saying about Kevin Durant, and I agree with everything. Um, granted, smaller sample size, only you know, forty-seven games played, but the first 55, 40, 90 guy. Right. Fifty-five percent. Uh, shooting percentage from the field over forty percent from three, over ninety percent from the free throw line. Shows his efficiency. Show you how extremely efficient that he that he is, and I believe only he he Steve Nash and I believe oh he Steve Nash and Larry Bird are the only guys to have done that multiple times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only eight or nine guys in NBA history. Have went 50, 40, 90. Nash, Burr, and now Kevin Durant are the only guys to do it multiple times. Uh, multiple times in the season. So that's huge. Um, yeah, it just shows his efficiency um and how effective he is. So before we wrap up the Western Conference, um, I just want to ask you who do you have getting the AC and whoever your AC is. Um, just talk about the matchup with Denver and we'll move on because I, I got Denver beating in anybody in a gentleman sweep. Um, but I just want to know your <laughs> I just want to know your eighth spot, who gets the eighth spot in the East, I mean in the Western Conference, and just the the you know simple breakdown of Denver in that eighth scene. So um my prediction it kind of hinges on a few things with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now obviously Minnesota will be hosting um, their that last playoff game in the Western Conference. Correct against the winner of the um, New Orleans Pelicans and OKC Thunder game, which just started now. Um, I think that I 
think that Minnesota will play New Orleans. I think New Orleans will play this play-in game. Um, I think SGA, um, Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think that he's probably going to have a really great game. But I think New Orleans, New Orleans beats them. And just real quick before I get on with my prediction. No, go ahead. For sure. um, if, if Shea Gilgis Alexander isn't an all-NBA player this year, it's a travesty. I could care less about their record. Like, this is a guy who's averaged over 30 a game, and he has been absolutely balling. And he honestly may not make it just because of the record and, and there's bigger names, but he honestly deserves some genuine consideration for all NBA first team. Well, Ira, I don't, I don't know how the record will even play a part. I mean, granted, they're below 500. They're only two games below 500, but they – there went the, the over under odds, um, preseason over under odds for um for the Thunder, I think it was 32. They're at 40 wins. So and it, and it probably dropped after don't forget, you know, Chad Holmgren got hurt. Their number two pick in last year's draft got right. hurt. So I mean it, it probably it probably dropped, you know. So so I don't see how record even plays a part in this. I mean, I think if you ask me and yourself, we probably think they overachieved given the fact that they weren't gonna they weren't gonna be good regardless. They weren't gonna be like a a great you know a team that's gonna be in the thick of the playoff race. But the mere fact that they have won forty games and the season that he's had, where you see the just him as an offensive weapon is just it's just undeniable i think it's undeniable that he's not that he's been one of the best 15 players in this league this year oh yeah absolutely i think i think this season this season not overall but this season he's a top 10 player i mean the 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 kid's been just absolutely phenomenal phenomenal um but with that being said i do think new orleans will win this 9-10 game I think that they'll go on to play Minnesota. And if Rudy Gobert um, plays this game, which is just absolute idiocy and just uncalled for yeah. what, what he did on the on the uh, Timberwolves bench in their last game of the regular season, which who knows, you know, now he missed the playing game. And, and, and who knows, could, you know, could cost them a playoff appearance. And this is a guy, mind you, this is a guy that they gave up a lot for. Yes. Or draft picks. Yep. They gave up a lot for a primarily defensive player who we've seen the Dallas Mavericks make unplayable in a playoff series. Facts. Neither here, neither here nor that. That's another story for another day. But if he's allowed to play, um, I think Minnesota bounces back. They get a little home cooking. Anthony Edwards can't possibly have a replica of the game that he had last night against the, the Lakers. I think he comes out a little more motivated. They feed off the home crowd, and I think they win and secure um, the AC. Excuse me. I think they win and secure the AC. And um, from there, they play Denver and. I agree with you. Probably a, a gentleman's sweep. Um, Denver, who who did kind of struggle a little bit down the stretch to end the season. They did, yeah. But they'll round back in the farm to, to uh, into form. Um, there'll be some some close games, some competitive games. But I think you'll see 
a lot more of what we've seen from Minnesota down the stretch against the Lakers and them not being able to really execute them not necessarily having the maturity to not make dumb mistakes on or off the court. Jaden Jaden McDaniels leaving the court, punches the wall, breaks his hand, now he's out for the playoff. <laughs> like, come on. Like, <laughs> like, like what are we what, – what is this? Is this the circus? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though. I think Denver beats New Orleans and or OKC. I'm picking New Orleans, but – Either way, um, Denver – I'm sorry, Minnesota. Denver beats Minnesota in five games. I'll give Minnesota a game, but Denver wins in five games. Cool. Uh, and we're going to go to East. Let's go to the East. And we have the 2-7 matchup already slated. Uh, Celtics versus Atlanta. And um, honestly, uh, Boston, I thought the first half of the season, like the first like 45 games – if you would have asked me how many games Boston win, I would have told you probably 60 um, because they were they were definitely on pace. Um, they were having a historic three-point shooting start to the season. Um, they kind of got cold a little bit. Defensively, they weren't as, like, god tiers they were last year. Um, they, they were still a good defensive team, but just not as elite and um, as superior as they was the, pre- the, year, the previous year. But – I got Boston winning this series in five games. I do think Atlanta, they had Trey Young is a showstopper. Um, he, he's a guy that any given night he can walk into your arena and drop 35 and 12. Um, and you know, he he he'll let you know about it. And like like you kind of kind of hinted at it. Like this Atlanta team, they're not too far removed from having a deep playoff run themselves, but I think they're running into a, a, a just genuinely a better team. Uh but Atlanta, they they got they got Trey Young. Like I say, he's a showstopper and they got guys around him that can knock down some shots. They can get really hot from 3 and I think at times they can they can look really athletic and springy. So I think that kind of that that steals them a game, but I got Boston uh winning this series in 5. Uh I agree with you 100%. Like uh like you said, ultimately the Boston Celtics are just simply the better team um with all respect to Atlanta I think that the combination of DeJounte Murray and uh Trey Young I think one of those guys gets Atlanta a game um and then like you said and for those that watched that playing game yesterday against Miami they got some some nice pieces now they do they they got some talent around them. I mentioned Trey Young, mentioned Dejounte Murray. I love the the Sadiq Bay pickup that they um, had this season. Yep. Um, they they still got the Bogdanovic kid, uh, 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 DeAndre Hunter, John you know, Collins, John Collins, who I who I think is extremely underrated. Clint Capella, rim protecting and rebound. I think he had twenty one rebounds yesterday. They were killed. They killed Miami on the boards. Destroyed them on the rebounds. If, if and that, if if bio doesn't come down with it, they're not coming down with it. But um, ultimately, yeah, the, the the Celtics are just the better team here, and they'll impose their will. I think they're going to try to really, you know, make a point in this series. And so, I think there'll be a, there will be a couple games where they just kind of blow them away. And uh, yeah, I'll give Atlanta a game, but I'm, I'm 
I'm with you there, man. Boston uh, in five. Boston in five. Yeah, I, I, I definitely got that. Um, no doubt about it. And I, and I asked my, my previous uh, guest this. I just want to know because, and we're going to, after this, we can, well, okay, let's get through the first round matchups and I ask you a question. Let's get okay. so let's go to four five or, or let's go three six. Let's keep in order. Three six, Philly, Brooklyn. Who you got? Um, Philly's just gonna overmatch Brooklyn. Point blank, period. Um, Brooklyn is a team with a lot of very nice pieces, but they don't have a guy. Yep, that's or, what they're missing. Yep, or or at least not as of yet. Um, I think that. Last year, and especially this season, I think um, Mikael Bridges is really starting to show me some things, especially on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Like, his offensive game is really starting to mature and come along. So that may be something to keep an eye on in the future if maybe they, they got a diamond in the rough. Same thing with this kid, Cam Thomas, who they kind of they kind of up and down with his minutes. Yeah. When he plays, when he plays, he, he lights it up. So, um, I mean, they're, they're once again a team with – a lot of great side pieces, but not a main dish, so to speak. Right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I think uh, Philly's just going to have the way. Joel Embiid is going to have his way there. They're, you know, um, Brooklyn's a smaller team. I mean, Joel Embiid, don't be surprised if he's if he averages, you know, 30, 35 and, you know, 14 or something. He's going to have just some really monster numbers. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey will have a good series. You'll see Tobias Harris get involved. Obviously, James Harden will run the show. Um, you know what? This is I'm, – I'm, I'm going to give Philly the sweep here. Okay. I think, I, I think Philly sweeps Brooklyn. 4-0. Okay. I, have, I mean, I'm not – I mean, shit. I'm not mad with that. I got I got uh, Philly gentlemen sweep for the same reasons. Uh, Brooklyn – I think turns out that they got some they got some really good side pieces in parts in terms of um after the Durant and Kyrie trades. Um they're just missing that engine. Like they got a lot of they got a lot of good side pieces in parts and tubes, but they're just missing that engine that a, that could possibly push them over the top and you know give them a better chance in a series like this. But um I, I agree. I mean, I'm not mad with the, the with the sweep. I give Brooklyn one, but uh, I could definitely see the possibility of it being a sweep. I'm gonna get to the most. Um, we're gonna do the four or five matchup, and I think this matchup is pretty interesting. I think Cleveland versus the Knicks, and I, I and I'll say this: I think I think Donovan Mitchell is the best player in this series, but I don't think. The margin is as wide as people think. I think the and and, and so here and not to cut you off. No, go ahead. My question though. Yeah. Who's that number two player? Like, are we? Are you? Are you thinking Jalen Brunson? Oh, it's Brunson. Oh, it's it's Jalen Brunson. I mean, just just a a career year, and now you could argue that maybe I think I think he signed. What was it? I want to say like. Four years from 104 or something like that. Yeah. Five years, 104, something like that. Yeah. Now you can argue that he's underpaid. Like that, that you can argue that was a bargain. Yeah. Um, 
I just I just had to ask that because Julius Randle, another guy who I think will make an All NBA team. He had himself a, a really solid uh, season too. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's definitely Jalen Brunson. I like. I think a lot of Nick fans, like Stephen A. and so forth, like they were clamoring for Donovan Mitchell to be in the orange and blue, and I for un, for reasons understood. Like Donovan Mitchell is a is, is a pretty good is a really good player. Um, I guess like a second tier kind of superstar kind of guy, like. Not quite like a first tier superstar, but like he's right, a guy. Yeah, he's a guy in that next tier, that next, that next level down. Um, so I understand that, and people did not think Jalen Brunson would like could perform at the level that he had, like that he has. I mean, granted, he had the the big time playoff performances versus Donovan Mitchell in Utah last year. Right. right. Um. And then it it just carried itself on to Phoenix, but boy, like what the dude has been able to do for the Knicks. You bring up the contract. A lot of people thought he was overpaid. You bring it up, it's like uh, I mean, he might be yeah. underpaid. But Seriously. but I think this this is going to be a really compelling series. I think it's a it's a styles make fights right. And you at Cleveland, who is who was stout defensively? I think they finished with the best defensive rating in basketball. So they got those twin towers down there with Mobley and uh, Jared Allen. That's going to be a handful for 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 Julius Randle. Um, so I'm curious to see how that matchup plays out. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, what RJ what RJ Barrett does because I'm pretty sure I know what I'm getting from Brunson. Um, yeah. mo- most nights. Uh, Julius Randle can be hit or miss in the postseason, but I'm looking for R.J. Barrett, a guy who I know has been really frustrating for Knicks fans because, like, at times he show flashes, but then at other times it's like, what the hell is he doing? And sometimes he looks like he shouldn't even be a starter in this league. Um, like, like something like that's 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 just what I hear from Knicks fans and. I think it's it's going to be a really good style and fight in terms of the the the, the, the comparison and styles uh, or the contrast and styles where the Knicks are. I think they finished with the fourth best offensive rating. So Cleveland, yeah, I, I was surprised when I saw that. But Cleveland, uh, really good defensively. They're built defensively for the playoffs. I'm not sure. Um, what they look like and how it translates offensively for them. Granted, they got Donovan Mitchell, who historically in his playoff career, he's been a really good um not in, not the best in terms of efficiency, but in terms of volume, he 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 can score it in bunches. But I'm curious to see, I'm curious to know what do you think about this series and how do you see it playing out? Man, um as I mentioned, I think that um, Golden State and Sacramento would be the most entertaining series um, of the entire playoffs. Um, Crazy enough, I think this series might be, you know, right behind them. Um, And I say that because, honestly, I feel like these teams are so evenly matched. They are. And this this is probably the toughest series for me to really pick. Um, I feel like as we, we've seen in stretches this season, we've seen 
the Knicks just really get it going. I think they had a stretch where they won, you know, double digit, you know, games in a row, like maybe ten or eleven games in a row. Yeah, yeah. They just, they just had it going. Um, the play of Jalen Bronson has been a very pleasant surprise for them. Um, he's been absolutely phenomenal this season. I think he's getting about twenty four a game. Um, uh, the same with, with with Julius Randall. Like you said, he, he's kind of up and down, but when he when he has it going, I mean. It, it, that that's probably you know when, when he and Jalen Brunson get it going, that's probably when the Knicks are at their best. Um, and then on the, on the other side, I mean, Cleveland is a team that kind of shot out the gate really strong earlier this season. Um, I think me and you had talked earlier this year, and I wasn't as big on them as you were, but boy was I wrong, you know. Um, Donovan Mitchell went out and had a, a heck of a season. And the Cleveland Cavaliers themselves have had just a, a, a great season um, to even finish. And I believe uh, – um, who's the four? Who's the five? Cleveland's the four. The Knicks are the five. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so, so to even finish as the fourth seed in a very competitive Eastern Conference. They were 51 and 31. 50 wins this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you got to give credit where it's due. They did. A hell of a lot better than I anticipated they would. Um, with that being said, I think one of the things to look out for is I believe it was either the last game or second to last game of the season. Julius Randle uh, rolled his ankle very bad, mm-hmm. and I think if this was a regular season, he he may he probably would would miss a week or two. But seeing how um, you know this this is the playoffs now, um, it'll be interesting to see how if or how that may um hinder him in this series um like you said cleveland does have two legit kind of twin towers so to speak and uh evan mobley and jared allen and uh yeah this this is going to be a very 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 tight series um i see this going seven and i really hadn't made a pick for this series until just now and so I think that, as you said, Donovan Mitchell is probably the best. However, it may be slight. It's slight. He's probably the best player in this series. And ultimately, I think the best player will lead them to a victory. So seven games. <coughs> Excuse me. Seven games. Cleveland wins. Donovan Mitchell has a great game seven. Yeah, I I got I got a I got a seven game series here too, and I'm I, I the Knicks they have had a great season, um but I got I got a I got Cleveland in seven as well. I was I I, I do remember our conversation about Cleveland. I think it was just right after the trade where Donovan got traded to Cleveland. I was like, oh, I kind of like the upside of this team. I thought they were missing another like perimeter. I still think they're missing another forward threat. Um, or maybe if Mobley can form into what I think he can be offensively, that may be it. Um, in terms of like them advancing deeper than you know just the first round, but I think right now this looks to be a team that it like I said defensively they're built for the playoffs. Um, I do think Donovan um he he he's a better shooter than this particular player, but at at times he got some Westbrook in him. Where he kind of like forces the action a little bit, um, yeah, at, at, at times, at times, not not all the time, 
I think he's a better pure shooter, but um, I, I got I got Cleveland winning it. I, I I just I just like the makeup of the squad. I think they've done a good job with drafting it. Um, just looking at the pieces that they took that they got from um the Harden. I think they were they, yeah they were part of the Harden Brooklyn trade. So, uh, looking at the pieces that they got from that, uh, Donovan the way they flipped it and got Donovan. Like I, I just like what they have on their roster, and I've always liked the makeup of it. So. Um, I, I got them winning in, in, in a in a tough, grinded out series. I think this is gonna probably be the most interesting, um, in the most com- like competitive series in the East. So I got them at se- in seven. Um, we got four, five. Yeah, I got them in seven. Um, we talked about Boston. Now, who do you have as? And oh, since I asked my last guest this, I asked you this. Throughout the regular season, through and through, who do you think the best team was in the Eastern Conference? I mean, in, in the whole entire league. Oh, man. The best team in the league when when they're, you know, completely healthy. I, I have to say Milwaukee. Okay. Um, you know, when, when, I mean, obviously Giannis is Giannis. He's a monster. Um, we basically seen them um, be the, the number one seed. And Chris Middleton missed, you know, a, a very large part of the season. And you can argue that he's still kind of trying to get his footing under him. Yeah. But, you know, they just, you know, they filled in, you know, next man up. They're another team with a very deep roster. Um, You, you could argue, you could argue they probably have, you know, the best, like, legit role players of any team in the league. You know, guys like, you know, Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis and, you know, Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Um, like, the supporting cast there is phenomenal. Drew Holiday, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the league. Like, supporting cast is phenomenal. Now they have uh, from from Phoenix. Uh, Jay, Cow- Jay Crowder. Dra- uh, Jay, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, yeah. yeah. Now they have him. So, I mean, their, their supporting cast is deep and it's phenomenal. And um, yeah, I think when when they you know when when all things are click, clicking, I think that the Milwaukee Bucks were the best team this season, and you could argue is the best team in the playoffs. Okay, I, and I, I'm not mad with that. Um, I thought they were the best team in the in the in the regular season. I think Boston is very much um, equipped, and I think Boston is probably like when. But on Boston's best day, I think they're better than Milwaukee on their best day. And this kind of leads us really? to I, – I do. I do, I think Boston and, – and, and I'm not going to lie. I was one of the people last year and after that seven-game second-round series between Boston and Milwaukee, I was one of the people that was like, man, if Milwaukee just had Middleton, I think they win that series. And you know what I had to do? I mean, granted, the series went seven games. But if you look at Boston's wins, a lot of, like, almost all of their wins, it wasn't even close. And if you look at the point differential in that series, it wasn't even close. I do remember where Boston, they just let a game slip away at home in game five. So, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I, I like. I said. I made a. I, I guess this is a bold take. I'm not sure, but you can let me know. I made a bold take that I think. 
I think with this core group that Milwaukee has, I think this might be their last run. I'm not saying they're going to be out of the playoff or the championship picture, but I think before next or after this season, depending on how, depending on how it ends, I think they may need to look into reinforcements in terms of um, what they, what they need to surround Giannis around in terms of their role players and their core guys. Cause I think some of their core guys are a bit older. Um, You, we, we talk about Middleton, Middleton, he, like his body is breaking down. Like he wasn't wasn't available last year for the second round. Um, he's missed a huge chunk of this year. Uh, still trying to get his legs under him. I mean, ho- hopefully he's um back to form when they need him to. But I, I just look at some of the other pieces, and I'm I, I'm kind of skeptical. Of Milwaukee now. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. Whoever they play is the AFC. I know. I just saw the Bulls. They won. They beat Toronto in the play-in game. So, when is a beautiful thing? I see. For for those that don't know, I'm 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 a Chicago guy through and through, and I am a Chicago Bulls fan. And they were getting smoked in this game, and they came out in the second half, and you know picked it up defensively. Levine had a great game, and they pulled it out. Right. I, I but I, I, I'm not saying. I think Milwaukee they get through the first two rounds. But I'm just forecasting, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, I don't – I think you look at Boston and the success that Boston has had over Milwaukee, I think a lot of a lot of it has been predicated on Boston having younger and more athleticism at the wing and perimeter spots. And Tatum's averaging 40 against – I mean, against Milwaukee this year. I think Brown is averaging like 30 versus Milwaukee, and you ask yourself why they – why is Boston so damn dominant? And I think it's because Milwaukee—they're a little bit older and slower, and a little le- well, a lot less athletic than Milwaukee is. I mean, than than Boston is on the perimeter spot. So that's that's kind of my bold take. Um, I think I think you're right because I, I agree with you. I thought they were the best team in the throughout the course of the regular season, but I don't think they I. I don't like their matchup between Boston. I think that I think that's their Achilles heel. I think you can argue though that Boston and mind you they made the finals last year. I think you can argue that they're well, I, I will say they're a better team this year than they were last year. Especially when you look at, you know, some of the, the surrounding pieces, you know, the amount of them pick up I think was a obviously a, a great pickup um when when they can and he's been a little injury prone himself but when robert williams is on the floor uh what's already a, a really solid defensive team just takes that next step as mm-hmm. far as on the on the defensive end Derek white has really gave them some really quality minutes and some key games this year like i, I think they're they're a little deeper than they were last year I think you can – well, I'm not going to argue. I, I'll say it. They are better than they were last year. Um, I just think um, – I just think Milwaukee, when when they when they got it clicking, you know, they're just a well-oiled machine, you know. They – to watch them play when, when they're, you know, working on – everything's working on all gears, they look like a championship team. Um, I, I'll throw another team out there. Speaking of the Eastern Conference, um, there's only 
I, I don't foresee this happening. But there's really only three teams that I could see coming out of the East. Obviously, Boston and Milwaukee. And the other team is the Philadelphia 76ers. But that's, you know, predicated on Joel Embiid yeah. and James Harden yeah. staying healthy and Joel Embiid just being the aggressive, dominant big man that he's shown himself to be um, throughout the, the regular season. And and I can see them doing it because there's really, honestly, in the in the Eastern Conference, there's, you you can argue the league, right? You know, when, when Joel Embiid gets in his mind that he wants to be that force, there really isn't anyone in the league that can stop him, you know. Uh, he, he may be the most dominant force in the league today. When, when, he, when he puts his mind out that that's what he wants to do and that's who he wants to be on this given day. So a consistent um, dosage of that. And, I mean, they, they, they could surprise some people. I'm not picking them to do so, but they could surprise some people. Yeah, I, I'm so I, and I just asked you because my my finals pick, who I have coming out the East, uh, I got Boston coming out of the Eastern Conference. Um, I kind of already talked about the Milwaukee matchup. I think they give I think on the perimeter they give Milwaukee a lot of trouble, um, in terms of defending, um, in terms of them in terms of Milwaukee trying to defend Boston perimeter and wing guys. I think for a potential second round matchup, um, we're looking at Boston and Philadelphia. Uh, you talk about Philadelphia. I, I, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of Doc Rivers. Um, I've been. Neither, neither am I. I um, yeah, I've been I critical. Think he's a bit overrated. But yes. That, that, that's another topic we'll pick up at a later date. Yeah, I, 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 I totally see eye to eye with you right there. I think. I think at times I thought if I thought if he wasn't as incompetent at times, I thought maybe his teams, whether that's the Clipper teams, the Celtic teams, or or his 76ers teams, I feel like in all three instances could have probably um got have a little bit more success. But um We're talking about the the only coach to have lost three different three one series leads. Yeah. I mean, we you know we we glorify the the one championship run that he had with the Boston Celtics, but it's called a spade a spade. I mean, it's 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 crazy to lose a three one series lead at all. He's done it three times. Three times in his coaching career. Yeah. So I I mean, and, and he's had some great. He's had some tremendous talent. I just with Philly with Philadelphia, I feel like you make a great point with Embiid. Embiid is I, I've always have had um some huge admiration for Embiid's game. You know I'm a Kansas Jayhawk guy. And I can remember um, people were talking about – people were talking about Andrew Wiggins because um, Wiggins and Embiid played together. And people were talking about Andrew Wiggins and a lot of people – and then, like, someone asked Bill Self, and they was like, so what do you think? And then Bill Self was like, uh, the big fellow over there, Joel Embiid, that is the future Hall of Famer right there. That like no 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 disrespect to Andrew Wiggins because he's turned out to have a, a pretty good career. But Joel Embiid, he was the Hall of, he was the future Hall of Famer. Um, that you know that people should have been talking about. But I, I I feel like Philadelphia they don't have enough bench scoring, um, or just enough depth just yeah. in general. 
Um, and, and and we can talk about Harden all day. I look at James Harden. I don't, and I, I, I'm going to ask you because I, I he averaged 21 and 11 this year. When people say they like they're expecting James Harden to have a good postseason, or they or the the sex the Sixers need James Harden to have a good postseason. What does that look like? Because at this point, I think it's pretty clear that James Harden is not the guy that's going to go out and give you 25 to 30 points per game. Oh, no, not at all. That's not the oh. that like that's just not the guy that he is anymore, right? And that's okay. But w- when people say he needs to have a good season, what does those expectations look like? It, if it, is it even realistic? At this point, so um, I think on this um, Philadelphia 76ers team, they don't need that, you know, 34, 35 point per game guy that we've seen him be in Houston a few years. Not to mention that he could do or be that anymore if he tried to. Let me just throw that out there. Um, But they need him to be, as far as numbers wise, they need him to be kind of similar to what he was in the regular season. If he can, you know, be that, you know, 21, 22 per game scorer, get those 10, 11 assists. I believe he led the league in assists. Get those 10 or 11, you know, assists a game. And more importantly, if he can be efficient doing it, it's called a spade a spade, you know, James Harden, you know, although he isn't, you know, that out of control guy that you know Russell Westbrook is. There's a reason why he's always another guy that's toward the top of the league lead in turnovers as well, because he can get a little careless in his handling and passing on the ball as well. So I think a successful postseason run for him consists of you know somewhere between 21 to 24 points a game, being that second option, being able to create some offense, even for himself when Joel and B needs a breather or whatnot, um, being able to get everyone involved, getting those 10, 11, 12 assists a game and cutting down on the turnovers, you know, try to stay maybe under four and consistently, you know what I'm saying? And just give them, you know, good minutes. I think plus minus will be a huge stat when looking at James uh, Harden in the postseason. I agree. I agree. I, I think at this point, like I kind of judge it like, He's a souped-up Dallas Mavericks Jason Kidd at this point, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> like, th- th- it's not a bad – I think – That's a fair comparison. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Kidd, I, Kidd was never the scorer that he is. Right. For sure. Yeah, like, Kidd was never the scorer. But you get my point where, like, he – you know, Harden is looking to facilitate. He has scored when he has to. Um, I think we, we – I think for me – and I'm gonna just close it out, uh, and we can we can move on to the MVP conversation after this. But like, or or I, I want to ask you your finals prediction for the East and West. But what? But when I look at Harden scoring, I'm like, okay, how is he gonna get the 22 points per game? Is he gonna get it off of free throw shots and threes, or is it gonna come from him actually penetrating the defense and him being able to um, finish inside and so forth, and and, and basically breaking down the interior of the defense. And I think that's a big thing. Cause I think Philly need him to create 
and get within the teeth of the defense and being able to rather first finish around the rim or, you know, draw the defense in enough to provide and play make and kick out to shooters um, that that may be. So I, I, I think you're I think you're on it. I think you're in terms of like what your expectation. I think it's realistic. Um, let me get your finals. I'm gonna get your uh, finals prediction. Come in terms of the East and West. Who do you have coming out the East and the West? All right. So in the East, I think um, Milwaukee's the best team in the East, and <clears throat> I think you know Boston will make it tough for them. I think another seven game series is ahead, but. I think ultimately Milwaukee wins and Milwaukee comes out the East. <clears throat> Western Conference is a tough one. Um, I think we could see a Phoenix Suns, Golden State Warriors, Western Conference Finals. Mm. And who, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. All right, this is a tough one, but I think that I'm going to go with Golden State only because they just have a little more camaraderie than the Phoenix Suns have right now. Okay. And just that experience and that chemistry of all of those guys playing together and them being a slightly deeper team right now than Phoenix is. Um, I think ultimately they'll be able to pull it out. So I got Milwaukee and um, Golden State in the finals. Um, our, well, our last two champions. And you know what? I guess I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Milwaukee wins the championship this year. Oh, wow. Okay. You got the Bucks winning it all. Okay. Okay. You're, you're high on the Bucks, I see. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm not mad with that though. I'm not mad with that. I think I, I'm leaning towards a rematch of last year, where you got Boston and Golden State. But I'm gonna go out on the limb, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna go Boston Phoenix. That's my. Okay. Fi- I'm gonna go. Bo- I, I, I can definitely see that. I'm gonna go Boston Phoenix. Um, like I said with Durant, I think it's a seamless fit. Um. And I'm banking, I think Phoenix, if you look at their playoff losses over the past two years, whether that was against Milwaukee in the finals or against Dallas in the semifinals of last year, I thought each and every time, or it it, it kind of showed itself that they needed a superstar that can meet Luka at his level, that can meet Giannis at his level. And I feel like they now have that guy. I think a little, like, I think depth, I think it's a, a bit really great point. Yeah, I think depth is a bit questionable. But in the postseason, I think depth can be a little bit overstated. I think if you got a couple guys that can come in the come off the bench and and give you a stretch of 10 to 14 minutes where they're net neutrals, um, I think that's fine. I think I think the thing with Phoenix is I'm worried if what if they have a couple bad shooting nights? How would they respond? Um, and when I mean bad shooting nights, I'm expecting Kevin. Like I said, I'm expecting Kevin Durant to be Kevin Durant. 
Um, but like a guy like Booker or Chris Paul, like what happens if defenses neutralize them? That's my own. That's one of my biggest fears with with when when picking Phoenix. But I'm gonna pick Phoenix, uh, and I'm gonna pick Boston. And boy, <laughs> who do I go with? Tough, who it's do tough. I go with? I'm gonna go with Phoenix. I'm gonna go with Phoenix. And, and that's not a bad, you know. And and I'm I'm telling you, man, it, <laughs> it's literally taking everything within me to not pick Phoenix. Like I really, I know, I really want to go Phoenix as well. Man. I know. But I just think I think one more year. I think next year is the do or die you know all or nothing year and i think early you know my early prediction i think they win it next year but this year i just don't quite think it was enough time for everything to come together i think in the off season they go out and get you know one more extra piece or two some you know yeah. on the side that, you know make the team a little a little deeper or whatnot and um i think next year is the year for them but yeah I, you know, milwaukee golden state and then Milwaukee comes out on top, man. Okay, and I'm not gonna hold. I'm not gonna hold you any longer. But I just want to know who's your MVP and why. Obviously, you know, if you'd have asked me that up until about two weeks ago, it was Joel. And, I mean, I'm sorry, it was uh, Nikola Jokic, and it wasn't even a thought in my mind. About two weeks ago, I didn't even think that it was possible for anyone else to, you know, get into the conversation. But seeing the way Joel and B has ended the season, I mean, he's, he's literally been on a tear the last, <coughs> excuse me. He's been on a tear maybe the last, over the last week or two. And so for me, man, I think that's just, it, it swayed me. It's persuaded me. And so I think that I'm going to go with Joel and B in a very close race. I think both guys, I think this will be one of the closer MVP races we've had in a long time because both guys deserve it. You know, Jokic flirted with averaging a triple-double as a, as a true center, you know. But, um, yeah, I think I think Joel and B, with the way he ended the season, they ended the season, he just had 52 with last week, I mean, I, I think Joel Embiid is going to edge him out and finally get that first one. Okay, okay. I'm not mad at that. Um, this would, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. this would be three in a row for Yogi? This would be three in a row. And who? Uh, no one's done it since Larry Bird. No one. Days. Yeah. I, I, I think that'll play, that'll play a factor, too. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. And it's, it's kind of crazy. It does play a factor in it. I'm going to go Jokic. I'm going to go Jokic. Uh, he finished with the – granted, Denver, they didn't finish off the season, the back end of the season, uh, as well as we thought they should have, right? But I think on the grand scheme of things, in the, in the meat and potatoes of the season, they were uh, – they remained the, the, the top seed in their conference – I think with Embiid, it's kind of it's kind of sad because you know Embiid is a he's he's been over the past like three years, I would say he's been a MVP caliber player, but yet his health, um, and his yeah. and his lack of availability has kind of played a role in him not winning these MVPs over the past 
two, three years maybe. Um, but I just feel like this particular year, Jokic, his argument may be may be its strongest. Like it may be at its strongest at this point. Um, with this particular year. So, granted, we all we that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. You know, so we 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 know that the the we know how certain with these awards and MVP awards in particular, how it can be narrative based and so forth. But I think looking at looking at what's what's tra- what's transpired, I, I would go with um with Jokic. I'm a, I would lean with Jokic. I'll say. And that's and that's fair, man. I I, I can't. Um, I I wouldn't be mad if if either guy won. You know, if if Jokic wins his third in a row, it'll be deserving because, like you said, and and great point. You could argue that he's been more deserving of it this year than he has in years past. You know, uh, like I said, flirting with a triple double, um, numerous triple doubles this season for them, and the record, uh, a phenomenal record in the games that win-loss record in the games that he does um, uh, have, have a triple-double this season. And they're the number one seed in the West. So uh, it, it's a win-win either way. I wouldn't be upset either way. Okay, for sure, for sure. Um, and before I let you go, before I let you – I know I said that was the last thing, but before I let you go, uh, the Bulls, do you have them beating the Miami Heat? And if they, if you do, how many games do they get on the Bucks? <laughs> going to say to you what I said recording uh, our podcast last night. Um, Let me first say that my head says, hell no, they not beat Miami. That's what my head says. Okay. <laughs> but my heart says, damn it, you're a homer. So, do I think they're going to beat Miami Friday? No. But am I going to pick them to win the game? Yes, I am. <laughs> but uh, even if they do, uh, even if they do, well, I don't know. You know, they they stole a game. They stole game one from Milwaukee last year. Right, right. They did. So I, I'll say they they'll, they'll steal another game. It'll be a gentleman sweep. I'll give them a little credit. Okay. If, if they were to win. Right, right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. No problem. Same with Miami. If Miami. I think they they get a win of Milwaukee. Gentlemen, sweep either way. Okay, bad. And um, okay, that'll that'll uh, wrap things up. Uh, thank you a lot, Ira. Greatly appreciate you coming on, um, coming on for the on the pod for the NBA playoffs and discussing the NBA playoffs. I, I I'm more than I'm more than welcome to have you on, um, as the playoffs continue and as we get deeper into the rounds and so forth. So thank you, greatly appreciate it. Um, any any shout outs you want to give in terms of you know your you know obviously rooted in sports and so forth for your social media pages and where they can find you? Oh, definitely. Um, well, obviously, you know, um, I am co-host of the Rooted in Sports podcast. <clears throat> I do that with uh, Kenneth uh, Tiberius, <laughs> <laughs> King Tiberius, as he likes to be called. But, uh, yeah, we do the Rooted in Sports podcast. Um, we actually, and FYI, we're, we're changing days now. So um, starting next week, we'll be going um, every Thursday. Mm. So we record live every Thursday 
over um, pretty much all the social media streams. So, you know, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Just simply Rooted in Sports. You put it in, you'll see a little cartoon emblem with us. Just like and subscribe, and you'll get the notifications when we're going live. Um, we also have the Instagram page, which is same thing, just simply at Rooted in Sports. Um, you can give me a follow personally on Instagram. My Instagram handle is iswan underscore 0623. Give my co-host co uh, a follow if you'd like. His is Tiberius, T-I-B-E-R-I-U-S, Tiberius519 on uh, Instagram. And, uh, yeah, every every Thursday, well, now, it was every Tuesday, now it will be every Thursday night, um, 7.30 Central Standard Time. You can catch us, and uh, we obviously just, you know, covering sports talkers. We're, we're big sports heads, man. And, um, yeah, bro, I really, really appreciate you having me on, you know, um, you, you know, b- basketball is my first love. Yeah, absolutely. So whether, you know, it's NBA or college women's men's high school you know i, I just love the game and yeah it's a, it's a pleasure for me to talk about the game in any facet in any manner at any time man so hey, whenever you need me man I, I you know I'm, I'm here for you bro and i really appreciate this opportunity no problem thank you thank you so much for coming on um giving you giving us your time um so yeah i, I like i said i'll be sure to leave those links uh, in the description below so you guys whenever you know if you're if you're listening you can scroll down to whatever uh platform that you're using scroll down you uh when you see the paragraph in the description right below it they have their uh links um and their uh their their usernames and so forth so you guys can go follow and tap into their content and so forth but uh once again thank you Ira for coming on um we're i'm i'm definitely sure we'll have you back so you know always remember two choices one decision i'm gone peace deuces i hope everyone enjoyed